Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to workshop number four. And today's workshop is about booking. So live performances and the sort. Um, if this is your first time coming to an Afrowave TO workshop, I'll just kind of give you a background on you know what we do, who we are. So Afrowave TO uh, was started by Lexicon, who is an artist from Toronto. Um, we are led by artists, for artists, and basically Afrowave Teal was started to fill a void that we saw in the Canadian music industry. And that was, you know, we were hearing a lot of sounds that were derived from, from Afrobeats, and we were hearing a lot of soca, a lot of uh, reggae and dancehall, but we weren't seeing that representation in workshops, we weren't seeing that representation in webinars like this. Um, and we kind of noticed that a lot of the artists that were within those genres weren't getting the same access to resources um, and other things that could be beneficial to their growth. So that's how Afrowave Teal came about. Uh, I'm your host for this workshop series. My name is Karis. I am a singer, songwriter, and music producer. Um, my genre is reggae soul, if you're interested in that. <laughs> I started out primarily on the creative side of things. Um, and then kind of went into music business. I went to study music management at Harris Institute and I really enjoyed that. Um, I went to learn how to manage myself better as an artist, um, but actually ended up really loving the business side of things. So after that, did a bunch of music business jobs and now I'm director of operations at Afrowave TO and I'm hosting these workshops for you. Um, so today we have Tao from Blue Crane Agency. Got it right. Totally. <laughs> um, she's going to be um, just giving us some insight into this side of the industry, into booking, um, talking to us about her experience in the industry as, an, uh, as a booking agent, um, and just kind of helping us all, including myself, as emerging artists to better understand that area of the industry. So I'll hand it over to Tao, let her introduce um, herself to you. Thank you, um, Karis, I think I got that right. Um, thanks so much for having me here today. I'm really excited to um, chat in this intimate webinar. So um, yeah, I'm originally from Vancouver. I um, started out in West Coast pop music with Carly Rae Jepsen's um, Call Me Maybe Phenomena in like 2012 when she blew up um, and she's from Vancouver so uh, we're both from the same city and um, I worked for a, a west coast pop record label out there um, and then I moved uh, on to Universal Music Canada when I moved to Toronto for business school um, and worked in like the legal and business affairs department there which was really really helpful to um, study contracts, study fine print, study um, licenses, um, all the things that have really helped me to start my own business. Um, after that, I had like worked in label and management, um, sync and publishing for, um, I think five years by that point. And the only side I hadn't touched was live. And that was like the side I was most intrigued by, um, even from, my event production days in high school, um, you know, just being on student council and producing film festivals at my high school or art mural projects or whatever. Um, 
events that I love to do with the council there um, really carried me forth to really why I picked it live in concerts to working currently. So I applied um, and worked at an American booking agency called Billions at the time. They were based in Chicago. Um, yeah, they wrapped um, at the time Wu-Tang, um, Bonnie Bear, Vampire Weekend, St. Vincent. Um, and then I was helping booking the roster of Charlotte Day Wilson, Cold Specs, Shad, um, Wolf Parade, uh, Timber Timber, uh, Basha Bulat. So a lot of, yeah, eclectic and, and different types of artists. Um, and then, yeah, I, um, I went to from that working for other folks, um, wanting to do my own venture. And um, that's Blue Crane Agency, uh, which was birthed in the spring of 2018 and had it for about 23 months before the pandemic hit. Um, so really only now I would say uh, we're laying down the brickwork and the foundations to sort of propel forward doing some strategic planning for the future. It's been, yeah, a crazy, crazy time of, you know, um, establishing my own business and then um, getting pregnant, having a, a, my first baby, my first child um, a week before the March original lockdown. Um, and then sort of coming out of that uh, maternity leave and coming back to Blue Crane and, and, and figuring out the next steps. So yeah, Blue Crane was founded with the roster. Um, it was DJ Indian from Child Called Red, Zaki Ibrahim, um, Kelly Technis, Narsi, um, onto, yeah, just a whole bunch of different acts. Um, today we have recent signings, Chlorel, um, who is, yeah, Cameroon, uh, Francophone, now based in Montreal. Uh, we just had a Montreal Jazz Festival big outdoor show two weekends ago, which was super successful to thousands of people, um, still reduced capacity, um, but yeah, uh, Loren is another folk artist um, signing in Montreal. I just love Montreal and like all the music that comes out of that city. So a lot of my roster comes from there. Um, Shay Leah is another um, big artist that we've worked with for the last few years, who's East African, um, Djibouti, fr Francophone as well. Um, so yeah, Eclectic Taste, we book Lucala, Lisa, um, Toronto R&B singers as well. Um, and you can see on our website, all the, all the different stuff we do. So um, yeah, that, that bring, I think that is a good lengthy intro. Thank you. <laughs> uh, just a disclaimer before we continue, because I realized I didn't say this um, before we jumped into it. Just for all the participants, we will be having this session recorded just like all the other workshops um, and it'll be up on our website for you to see or listen to afterwards um, and then also if you have any questions please don't hold back you can put them in the Q&A tab there's a designated Q&A tab it's just easier um, for me to track rather than shooting them in the chat and then we have to keep scrolling um, if we see a question that we are currently addressing based on what we're talking about, then we'll get to it. 
Um, if it's something that I think could be pushed to the last 15 minutes when we'll have a designated Q&A area, then we'll address it there. But don't worry, once you've sent it through, I've seen it. <laughs> um, and then we'll address it after. Okay, so just to jump into it on the topic of Blue Crane, why did you choose the name Blue Crane? Like, what is the story behind that? Yeah, totally. Um, I think I was just, um, well, it's a nod to my East Asian roots. So I'm, yeah, Hong Kong, uh, Chinese Canadian and um, Hong Kong Chinese are my roots and um, cranes are really big in um, Chinese um, pottery, calligraphy, poetry. Um, so I, it's a nod crane um cool symbol like a bird and um blue just gender neutral color i i love red so it was going to be red crane but um i just wanted to do like a more gender neutral color and i like the the aqua that i picked so um yeah it's uh you know 80% of our roster i, I would say 90% of our roster is is made up of folks from diaspora, immigrant um, culture and, and roots. So um, I think the name just represents what we stand for, which is people with interesting stories often from other places that have come. I remember, yeah. I remember when you just launched, I think I was finishing up Harris. And mm -hmm. we're all scurrying to find industry jobs. <laughs> so we were all like on top of everything that launched. And I remember when I, it came out, I was like, huh, why Blue Crane? So I've been wanting to ask that question for like three Oh, nice. Oh, my God. I'm glad, I'm glad we're chatting about it. Yeah. To hear the story behind that. Um, so I think this question, straight out the gate, um, it's something that I hear artists ask a lot about so many other members on their team as well. Um, when do you think an artist should start to look for a booking agent to join their team? Mm -hmm. um, number one, when you hate booking shows yourself and are getting big enough that you're selling out um, 200 tickets in your hometown, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, you're getting requests from say, say you live in Toronto, you're getting a request from, um, Ottawa promoters, Montreal promoters, um, any sort of secondary tertiary markets around Toronto, um, and you hate doing the work, um, then that might be a valuable new addition to your team um, if you can get signed. And um, but really, you know, the 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 nuts and bolts of when you're ready to also work with an agent, not just be signed, but work with you know a team member from from um, the live space is is really you gotta have your riders ready. Um, so your tech writer, um, you know, usually a one pager PDF of. Um, your stage plot, how your band looks like on, on stage, where your guitar player stands, where your um, keyboardist stands, um, all your inputs, outputs, um, just having that rider um, actually helps you get deals um, because if a promoter is interested in your sound um, and you can send them a tech rider to be like, I have four on stage, I have two dancers in the background, uh, what's your budget that actually can propel the deal negotiations a lot quicker um, if they can see like how much it costs to put you on stage um, if it's a solo act as opposed to a full band um, so having riders is like a, I, I think like a really valuable asset at the beginning um, 
you know, as valuable as your EPK um, or highlight reel. Um, and then the other piece is um, when you have travel arranged, like if you have a huge band with dancers, like you need to have a touring band. Like if, if your agent books you or wants to book you or gets an inquiry about your band, um, but you don't have ability to take your crew from point A to point B, then it's hard to work with an agent sometimes because if you can get an ex agent on your side and excited about your set, um, they're going to pitch it and push it everywhere. So you need to be ready with logistics really. Um, and, you know, obviously travel is um, a very tough thing these days. And, um, you know, we're, we're far away from, I think, like full on routed um, tour band life and culture still. Um, flights is kind of short, hall flights even. It's helpful to have um, touring grants for that if you can get help with those costs. Those are kind of the parts. And for those who were in our grants workshop, you know that we talked a lot about that with um, with Factor, so you can, you can always go back to that workshop um, in terms of touring grants just as a helpful note to you. Um, so Tal, what does, what does your role look like when you are working with an artist? Cause I know, um, especially for independent artists, there's a lot of like, oh, I do this. My manager does this, my, like there, there can be blurred lines. Um, so just so that, you know, we don't take for granted that everyone understands what booking looks like or what the agent is responsible for. Cause you just kind of give us some clarity on what what your responsibilities would be if you were working with an artist. Okay, so agent's responsibility is to handle all the touring um, and, perform and performance engagements of a particular artist. So um, if you get a request from say, uh, University of Western um, to do like a $500 campus show, like that would go to your agent and like we would handle that, we would negotiate the fee, um, we would, uh, contract the performance, chase a deposit for you, um, you know, help you figure out advancing the show. We can talk about show advancing in another section if you'd like, but figure out sort of your basic production backline, um, advancing for that particular performance, um, get you paid, um, get a deposit, get, get you paid also, um, after the gig is done, um, that's like a typical sort of mini look at like one show. Um, agents will route full 10 to 15 to 20 date tours for you as well. Um, so we stitch together routings. I, you know, because I, I, I learned um, my touring knowledge from an American agency, I say routing, not routing. So um, <laughs> we're responsible for routing a whole tour. So we have to be on Google Maps all the time. We have to understand geography. We have to understand how many hours it takes you to get from um, soundcheck in Montreal to, um, you know, shows on at seven o'clock, uh, curfews at say midnight, you get home at one. We need to like route you and your band from like that show to the next day to the next city. Um, so it's a lot of logistics. Um, I love traveling and I love discovering new venues, old venues, historic venues, cool new clubs in 
the corners, all corners of the world. Uh, we mostly book in North America. Um, and generally you want an agent in every t- territory that you're doing well in. So like mm-hmm. if you're having streams and plays and, and, and looks in say Europe, uh, you want to have a European agent for that. So mostly agents are yeah, divided by territory. Um, and the work is also divided in territory because we really understand the venues and the promoters and the bookers and the event planners in that particular territory. Um, and then we'll route full tours um, through big cities, small cities, um, you know, uh, depending where you're, you're touring. So we're stitching t- together um, all those logistics, all those deals uh, with each promoter in each city that you go. Um, then after the tour is done, we settle up um, profit and loss for the whole tour, uh, pay out the artist. Um, and and then, you know, we do that all over again for your next album release. So yeah, it's, it's mostly pegged to album release cycles, um, yeah. you know, EP release cycles. Um, uh, and then, yeah. So what does that look like with, cause I, I didn't even like register the having different booking agents depending on, you know, the, the places that you're doing the best. So what does that look like? Like if I'm um, an artist, I want to do a global tour. Is it one booking agent that would set that all up? Or is it that the booking agents in the different places would be working to set that up? What does that look like with multiple yeah, if you're like selling good numbers in a whole bunch of different territories, um, you're probably best to find like if you're doing really well in in, in Japan and China and Korea, um, you should get an Asian booking agent or someone who has ties to a local Asian booking agent um, agent on the ground. Um, yeah, I mean generally. Um, you know, when you're starting out, when you're emerging, um, you or you and your manager, if you have a manager helping you, will book everything for you. They'll book you your show in Toronto and they'll book your show in Tokyo. Um, just because you're emerging, you know, say you're not, you're, you know, you're at that level where you're showcasing, it's your first time playing different territories. Um, but as you grow, as you sell out sort of local club rooms at 150 capacity, 200 capacity, and, and you grow, then, and, and there's demand, um, then t- agents in other t- territories might approach you. Uh, but it's really, it's according to demand um, and really like how much capacity you have also to pay out commission to, to agents as well. So um, some people, some artists like love booking their own shows and they're just road dogs and they understand advancing and, and um, traveling and they're good at driving between cities and, and they just like take care of all their own booking. So it really depends on what you're good at, what you want to do too. Do you as an agent work, um, I ask this because when you were describing everything, it kind of reminded me of a tour management assignment that I had to do. <laughs> so basically Which... like this artist and we had to um, <laughs> figure out how long it takes for him to get to his hotel and sound check and then to the city where he's performing and all this stuff and then to make it for another teacher was like yeah but imagine that he's not 30 now he's like 60 (laughs) how does that change so do you work closely with uh tour managers for example or is it that you just communicate with the artist and then the artist has their own uh communication with the tour manager how how does 
Yeah, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. We will talk to tour managers or like TMs. Okay. Uh, TM, tour manager, PM, production manager is usually on the venue side. We'll have the PM. And on the artist side, we'll have the TM, which is the tour manager that um, obviously is carried crew with the artist. Um, But basically... Totally. We talk to tour managers all the time. We have to, we send them, you know, when we book a show, say we book like five shows at one time for say next summer, 2022, um, that itinerary will go to the tour manager. The tour manager will print it out. They'll have it in the tour van with them all day. They'll be advancing shows every day um, in each different city. Uh, They'll be settling the shows at the end of the night. Um, And so they're critical in in ways that they are the ones who we get the settlement reports from at the end of each night or at the end of the tour um, often. And um, yeah, sometimes they'll, you know, as an artist, they'll work directly with management and we'll get it from the manager instead of the, the tour manager. But I don't know, often when... Sometimes the tour manager is like also the driver. So if like if they're stuck, like one time I I was booking a tour through, I think like, I think they were driving through uh, Wisconsin or Ohio somewhere. And like, cause I, I booked a lot in the States as well, um, working for an American agency, like they, their car broke down on the road. Like I get a call from the tour manager who's often driving. So a lot of logistical stuff you will have to coordinate through them. Okay, thank you. Uh, I see that we have two questions. Um, just because this is a shorter workshop, I think it may be better if we just save all the questions for last. Uh, so I, I see your question. <laughs> I promise we're gonna get to it. Um, just just give us a second, we'll get through this part and then we'll just try to tackle all, all of them at the end, just cause I know it's a shorter workshop. Um, so just off of that, how has the pandemic affected your job? Like all of this logistics, stuff that you have to work out, um, communicating with artists and tour managers, what does that look like in 2021? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, the pandemic obviously decimated our industry. Um, it decimated live. And, you know, we're, we were the first to go. Uh, we'll probably be one of the, the last to come back um, just because we rely on gatherings and we rely on um, the congregation of um, people paying um, for ticket sales. So, um in 2021 now, um, you know, I think in Canada, we've had a lot of grants on the music development side, sorry, on the business development side on like really helping companies and organizations stay alive. So um, that's great in terms of the, from the Canadian government. Now in 2021, um, people are booking for mostly um, summer in 2022, some spring shows as well. Um some like winter live streams and and last minute events that people can kind of start producing um, as capacity numbers um, increase. Um, You know, Quebec just announced like a capacity increase a couple days ago. So like I had a show at La Sala Rosa in in Montreal that just, you know, got bumped up slightly. I think it was like 92 cap only. A week ago and now we can do over like almost 150 I think per show so it's slow slow but surely I think in you know the states um, and Europe but mostly the states were really quick to open just because their vaccination programs were just so robust at the beginning um, Delta has got agents down like I have some American agent colleagues that 
are rebooking their tours for the fourth time um, because of the Delta variant. Um, So that's frustrating. So I I think in the States, it's been like really up and down and like kind of um, just wacky. Whereas like Canada, Canada's vaccination programs were much more slow and steady. So like, I think everyone was in Canada, at least was pushing things to 2022 from the beginning and just being like more, um, yeah, low risk about things. Um, so everyone's kind of booking towards next year. Calendars are being booked into 2023 as well. Um, so we're kind of just moving forward, trying to trying to just get to next summer kind of thing. Is your uh, calendar like in booking usually like that? Is What is like how far out or how close would you book a show for an artist? Mm-hmm. It depends on the artist demand. Um, obviously, if you're booking um, someone like... Um, um, like I helped, for example, like bring no name to billions at AR, like someone like a big rapper like that, like that would be, you know, she'd probably book two, two years out, even three years. I wouldn't be surprised now with the pandemic, but if you're an emerging band, you know, you kind of just like take the deals that you can get in order to grow, um, especially during the pandemic. So, um, yeah, um, if you're an emerging act, it could be any, any time this year or, um, yeah, into next year. So. I think my next question kind of answers Flavia's question here about getting signed to your agency. Uh, just <laughs> in the chat. Uh, what do you look for in an artist? So uh, this was one of the questions that we posted to our artist managers last year. I was very mm. interested to hear. Um, just because we had two managers. Uh, we had Troy Harmon from X10 and then we had... Uh, Katrina Lopez so we kind of heard their preferences and you know just based on the genres and stuff that we do and it was really interesting to kind of hear you know what who they prefer to work with Uh, so as an agent are there particular things that you look for in an artist before agreeing to work with them Um, anything that kind of sticks out to you as non-negotiables or important yeah totally Um, it's just like authenticity on stage and um, and um uh what was i going to say like um ability to like having an authentic genuine set that like if i'm standing at the back of the room um you can kind of see fans and audience members like really be captivated and engaged by you um on stage i i think that energy and that connection is like you can tell, you know, when you're really, really, when, when a particular artist is connecting with their audiences, whether it's like a song break and they're talking or in the middle of a song or at the end of a song, like it's, it, it's a vibe, it's an energy. And it's, um, I find as an agent, I really look for that because that's, that's really where we can do good work together is like, you know, if I can see that you're captivating or connecting with audiences in your local city, like, that is a show that I want to bring to other cities and to other territories. Right. And I think aside from sort of falling in love with the set um, from like a, I guess like a business and like a, um, like a data numbers perspective um, is like, you know, it doesn't really matter if you have like 4 million streams on Spotify on a song. Like if I can't fall in love with your set, your live set, then I can't, then we can't work together. Like I can't pitch your show. So I think that's like the really key thing is that there's like to know what kind of artist you are, you know? And like, 
to develop your live set if that's not your strong point. Because there's so many different types of artists. There's like studio artists. There's like um, musicians, musicians who are just like have amazing cred, um, cult cred amongst their sort of like um, jazz student colleagues at like Humber College jazz or whatever, you know, that has like become like, I really feel like like a band like um, Hiatus Coyote, um, R&B band is like, they're such like a musician's musician kind of like band, you know, where they just like have so much incredible credibility um, amongst um, real players of, of jazz and R&B. So like they've kind of built their audience on, on that, um, which is interesting. Um, so I think just like knowing what your live set is about, what types of audience, it, what types of audiences you connect with and also, um, yeah, just, just, just something that I, that that's what I do for a living. Like I sell shows for a living. So like I fall in love with shows and I sell them and like, I just love my job for that because like, I'm good, good at it. Good. And, that is good. <laughs> yeah. And and so, so, for a living, so you might as well <laughs> love it. Totally. Totally. So it's like, it sounds kind of ridiculous that I just like, my life is kind of committed to this like 60 minute set, like generally headline sets are 60 to 75 minutes support acts and support slots are 30 to 45 minutes. So I think, you know, just being committed to, to selling that, that, that narrative, that experience for 30 minutes or for 60 minutes, whoever is on stage, um, I, I need to sort of be able to feel connected to it and, and, and work it in a way that, um, that helps you in your touring business, right? So. On the flip side, because uh, I know a, like majority of the persons that are in our workshop are independent artists. Mm -hmm. um, usually all our workshops are kind of like that. So what should independent artists or emerging artists look out for when looking for an agent? Are there things you would be like, oh, stay away from, um, mm -hmm. or that'd be a good agent? What are the recommendations in terms of looking for an agent? Mm -hmm. Just uh, ultimately someone who gets your music, um, you know, you can um, get signed to the biggest agency in the world with um, just a personality of an agent that you might just not connect or get along with or who doesn't really understand your music. Like, to me, that's not really um, the goal in developing um, a long-term and lasting career. Um, so I think trying to look for that genuine commitment to like your art and where you're going with your art. Um, and then what, what are you looking at an agent? I don't know, I had another thing I wanted to talk about, but it just slipped my mind. Um, yeah, your question was just like, how, like what, what are you that you should look for in a, in a good agent or someone that you could trust with looking shows for you. Yeah. 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 I would say that that's the, that's the big one is that um, a lot of people want to sign with just like the biggest um, agency that they can put them on a support tour um, say with like um, cautious clay or someone like big, you know, and, and um, you know, say you do five support dates at 250 bucks with, a huge headline act. Uh, and then um, because say that one big headline act is also at the agency. So it's easy to pitch and set that up, but then 
they don't get any shows for you after that fact. So, you know, you want to look for longevity and, and not someone who just will give you like the flashy one big support tour and then forget about you after is like one caution or like one thing I've seen um, in the industry. Yeah. Sounds good. I hope everyone's taking notes. <laughs> Comes along. Uh, what, what is the, or how does a, an agent get paid? Um, and is it like, is it a commission and how does that negotiated? What does that process look like once you've decided to work with an artist um, and you've proceeded to book shows for them? Yeah. Um, so we work off commission and that's why um, it's a pretty competitive industry. Um, there's also not a lot of contracts. So a lot of them are handshake deals. So your agent, if you sort of get to this point where you get signed, it's like a very, it's usually like the agent is obsessed with your music because, you know, they haven't signed a contract with you and you could change your agent tomorrow or at the flip of a coin or um, at any moment. Like it's pretty precarious mm -hmm. for agents and how they make their money. So it's, it's a really tough business. Yeah. So it's commission. It's usually 10 to 15%. Um, is the industry standard and um, yeah um, yeah okay so this question um, I think it's one of my favorite just because it's been so interesting so everyone we've had um, on for workshops this year at least have been uh, people identify as minorities, uh, people of color. Um, we worked really hard, <laughs> very hard <laughs> this year to try to keep that consistency um, for this series uh, for 2021. So my question is, are there challenges that you face because of the artists that you've chosen to represent? So uh, female artists, queer artists, artists of color, is there any challenge that you face um, in your area of the industry? Mm -hmm. yeah 100% um, and that's why I'm doing it because like there's so many barriers and there's so many challenges and I just like want to break them all down um, there's just so much work to be done and yeah just tons of sexism tons of racism tons of ableism in the industry and um, you know how do you how do you um, address that you know when you're an emerging musician confronted with all those layers um, on stage, in, in the green room, backstage, all, all, all the stuff that people have to deal with. So, um, yeah, um, I think the biggest challenge from an agent perspective is um, tokenizing acts, you know, people who want to come in and book and, and um, have a certain idea of what Caribbean music is, have a certain idea of what Indigenous music is. Um, have a certain idea of what East Asian music is like um, it's pretty monolithic to them and um, often you know I had one negative scenario where <clears throat> someone wanted to book um, an indigenous artist of mine and um, you know the the deal fell through in the end because they wanted a cultural set um, to me that's like they wanted a dancer to come with like a headdress yeah. while my indigenous DJ plays. And it's like, how insulting is that? First of all, to have like a booker, 
name what a cultural set is um, as an outsider and also um, to let go of the deal because it wasn't cultural enough. So, so yeah, I deal with that stuff all the time. And it's like, I don't want my artists hearing about that anymore. So I just like, I just want to be the agent, like the go between. Cause like, that's just, I don't know. That's just really hard stuff to hear and, and deal with from artist perspectives. So, um, I, you know, if I can help filter out those conversations to sort of negotiate and, and let people know like what's appropriate and not, um, in the booking space like that, I would love that, you know, and, um, I, I just try to do that, but there are hard conversations to have. So, yeah, it's interesting that you say that. Cause I remember when I was growing up, I would always hear about um, art mimicking life. Um, and then having to be an independent artist, I definitely saw that. Because even, especially being a Jamaican, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like there, and I think other persons of, you know, visible minorities can definitely relate to like mainstream having this, this story of what you're supposed to look like or sound like or sing like if you're uh-huh. from or you know if you're from any other Caribbean island if you're from anywhere in Asia it's like there's been this this media and movie image that's kind of been portrayed uh-huh. um, and so now you're just trying to do your job as an artist or as an agent and then uh-huh. these stereotypes kind of you know seep in I remember um trying to set up a show I think I was going to Harris at the time. Um, so it was just through me, no manager, no agent, nothing. Mm. And I told them that I do reggae soul. So a lot of people don't really understand what that sounds like, what it looks like, but they knew I was Jamaican. And so they expected that it was going to be more reggae than soul. Mm. Right. <laughs> so right. that ended up being a whole confusing experience in the end the performance fell through because it just it I I'm kind of one of those persons um and I know a lot of artists are like this where if the spirit the energy is just not right it just right so it's interesting to hear you you know give that story because for me it's kind of like oh I guess this happens on a small scale but to also hear Mm -hmm. it actually happening with the booking agent it's like Oh, totally. that keeps it goes up the ladder um and so it's Mm -hmm. that's kind of insightful for me to hear as well because it's definitely true that there are all these stereotypes and and stories around what a cultural set is supposed to look like or what an indigenous artist or black Mm -hmm. artist or jamaican artist is supposed to sound like so you know thank you for sharing that so it was really interesting kind of to hear it from your perspective as well you know totally totally yeah thanks for sharing that story and you know just to sort of tie that point together is that like agents do the exact same thing as artists in terms of our pitches in terms of like trying to talk up and get into festivals like we do that exact same work we're just like we just like probably like it a lot better than like other folks because like most people like hate negotiating deals and 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 dealing with tour logistics so um but in terms of like the work like it's actually this exact same work and that sort of like leads into one of the questions I think we got about like pitches and stuff um but yeah or yeah the pitch um the pitches to promoters so yeah we'll get into questions soon um just a for fun one to kind of lead into Q and a what has been your your most rewarding um, 
your your best moment as a booking agent so far? Oh, I think um, hmm, that's like a really hard one. But I think doing New Year's shows, um, I like hate New Year's. <laughs> I started to love New Year's when I started becoming an agent because just doing like, I don't know, 30,000 attendee shows at like Nathan Phillips Square in Toronto and, and you know, um, 10 to 15,000 people showing up to see my artist at like Celebration Square in Mississauga for like Saga New Year's. Like, I think just those big shows that on like big days that yeah. used to hate, but like you get to work on them now. And I, I, I find like, I don't know, I get a lot of like joy out of obviously my work identity and, and what I do um, at Blue Crane. So it's like, I think parlaying that and like having a new experience to um, shows on hard days is cool. <laughs> well, I, I'm kind of similar in terms of <laughs> the hall. I don't hate New Year's. <laughs> I feel oh, like I'm one of those persons who just like use it as a chance to start over. I guess a lot of people do. Um, yeah. If I want to start over before that, I'll use my birthday as an excuse. <laughs> um, but Christmas gets me. Right, I, right. I love Christmas. I love, you know, the especially being from a Caribbean um island like mm. christmas celebrations so like a whole mm. but then i worked in retail for the christmas season one like when i just started working and we uh. listened to the same christmas song <laughs> over and over for eight hours and i just couldn't yeah yeah <laughs> i don't want to hear another carol i don't want to hear another christmas song i heard all i want for christmas by mariah carey like oh my oh god it changed so much for me so i guess the flip side <laughs> in the new year that's um, mariah's big royalty check of the of the year every year yeah so we are actually for everyone who um came in after I did the intro and you probably didn't notice the little change on the flyer. Um, so this workshop actually goes to seven. Sorry, checking my time difference. Um, so we're actually gonna go into questions right now, just so we can get everybody's questions in this last 10 minutes that we have. Sure. Um, I'll just go from top and work to the last one. So Anika, I hope I said your name right. Uh, do booking agents help you get more gigs? I think we kind of touched on that. That's kind of the idea. <laughs> Hopefully, your booking agent is helping you get more gigs. Uh -huh. um, I don't know if you wanted to kind of add in. Yeah, they, yeah, like that. That's that's our job. Um, I guess they might be a good. They might not be a good agent um, or the agent that you want if, if you're not seeing gigs from them. Um, they want to, you know, they help getting you different types of gigs too. It's not just the number of gigs. It's like the types of spaces you want to play in and uh, the, yeah, the, the gigs that you want to play. So. And then Flavia had asked, uh, how do you find good agents in each territory? I guess that's when we were talking about having multiple agents. Um, where would you start? Um, I would start at looking at your favorite musicians Facebook about pages and seeing who reps them. Okay. Um, so say you love like um, 
uh, Ravina in the UK and, and you're doing more touring in the UK. Um, you're doing well in the, your streams are doing well in the UK. Um, check out what her, who, who her booking agent is. Um, and often that booking agent will understand that space that you want to play in and grow in. Um, and yeah, most booking agents, they're listed on artist websites or still Facebook about pages. It's kind of clunky, but um, I find Facebook about pages is kind of, you get them more on there than Instagram and Twitter, just because you can write more info in there. So that's a helpful one. It's so interesting um, having to, to find members of an artist team, I think it's been made so difficult now it's kind of like it's the six degree of separation you have to know someone so it's kind of good to get those tips as to where we can look as well because I know even trying to find that for myself has been super difficult totally I'm like yeah and I think agent agency agency life in the world is also just really difficult and not transparent because there's so few agents and so few agencies and it's um, you know, uh, CAA, for example, um, one of the big Hollywood agencies just bought ICM, which is also, um, a massive agency. So, um, the, the monopolization of agencies and, and corporate buying has been like pretty hard. There's only like, yeah, um, four or five agencies in Canada. So it's a very small space and that's why it's hard to, yeah. to like, yeah. Alrighty. Uh, from Mel, what goes into preparing your pitch to promoters um, to get your artist booked for a show? Okay, so my pitch is like a little paragraph. Um, it's name of the band, um, little thumbnail photo, press photo, one. That's it. Um, a description of um, more of like a touring bio, uh, probably about like four or five sentences, not more than that. Um, you could say like coming off Europe tour, Europe promo tour, 2018, um, you know, talk about genre of music, um, where you've played like big, you know, if you played with a big headliner, quote that, if you've played at big festivals, quote that, um, say one thing about when your last release came out, um, maybe one sort of boasty, um, stat, you know, over 1 mil combined streams on X platform, um, combined streams is like the tip, um, it's like, you don't have to, I know like everyone's an emerging artist, so it's so hard to sort of build, um, stats really at this point, but you know, you can do combined streams over, you know, Spotify, Apple, whatever combined platforms even. So, and then um, one quote maybe from a press outlet or a blog um, that puts you in a nice light and um, include one sort of like live performance link, one maybe music video, and then just like your social links. That's it, keep it, keep it short, keep it simple. Wait, I was muted, sorry. So I was just saying it kind of sounds like um, an EPK. So I guess, it, is it different from an EPK? Yeah, EPK would be like a PDF attachment to the, okay. to the email. Um, yeah, and usually like, um, that's like a one or two pager PDF of like a highlight reel, um, 
your big points. Um, but a, a pitch from an agency perspective is like, like something you do in the email body, okay. right? do it in like Microsoft Word or Google Sheets or something, but it's a separate paragraph with like a little thumbnail photo. Um, usually agencies will, will do that from indie agencies to the main corporate ones, so. Thank you. Uh, so Mel also said, do you book promotors? Um, we don't actually, usually management um, or label will book those. Yeah, just because there, there's usually not fees there or high fees for us to help negotiate. Um, you know, promotional tours are usually gratis or, or free or um, done for a specific reason um, for a tour. So yeah, mostly that comes from management and label. Okay. All righty. So we usually do this at the end. Um, just for everyone who's no problem, Mel. <laughs> for <laughs> anyone who hasn't been in previous workshops. So at the end, while people figure out if they have any more questions, we all just kind of throw our handles in so that we can network even though we can't be in person. So I know that. You guys have mine, most of you, but I'll just put it in here as well. And guys, just a disclaimer, please. I work at Afrowave, but I handle certain things. So I've had a bunch of participants that message me that I, you guys haven't responded to my submission and you haven't, I actually don't manage the uh, submissions at all. This is kind of my project right now. Um, more on the operations side. So I talk to people like Tao and try to set up workshops for you guys um, and, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff. Uh, submissions, who handles submissions? So um, right now we have like a general email. I will put that in here, afrowaveto.com. This is where you send your submissions for music. Um, that could it, sometimes it's Lex, sometimes it's uh, an additional person that we bring on to the Lex being Lexicon, um, an additional person that we bring on to the team. Um, so that's just kind of like where you send your submissions. So please, please don't bombard my DMs. <laughs> I've gotten so many like you guys haven't responded <laughs> to my submission. If you have something to submit, you can just send it there and then we'll um, look at it. And if we're booking for uh, a showcase or so on, we'll reach out to you and, and let you know. Uh, I see that we have another question. I'd love to talk to Tao about being on her roster. What's the best way to go about that? I think that's something you'd have to answer, Tao. There's just another question uh, in the Q&A, so. Oh, okay, uh, great, I see it now. Yeah. Oh, um, I would love to, da, 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 da. what's the best way to go about that? Um, you can send it to inquiry at bluecrane.live. Um, and we, here, I'm just going to put it in here. Or it's on our website, um, which you can get from our Instagram. But um, yeah, basically, like, um, yeah, send it there. Um, or like, you can try to Insta me. Um, I'm not great with that. So maybe email is better. Um, <laughs> I had a, a baby during pandemic. So um, I'm just 
like, um, yeah, like just um, digging myself out of like email inbox for the last like year and a half. Um, so yeah, um, but but the inquiry email is like easier to organize. So um, feel free to send music there. And ultimately, I should say, like, ultimately, I need to, I need to, you know, we need to be able to go see live shows and see people perform, um, to see how you are on stage, to see if we connect with the music. Um, so any sort of, like, live performance video links is always really helpful to include I in think there. David performed it after a week, so. Oh, nice. Nice. Should be up somewhere, Flavia, on our YouTube, if that helps you out. See, I'm, I'm helping you out here. <laughs> but. I think we have gotten to the end of the workshop. I don't usually like to go over. I'll just respect everyone's time. But thank you so much, Tao, for, for doing this, for agreeing to do this. Um, I tell everyone that comes on the workshops all the time that it's been so hard, I think, um, to, to access people in the industry. In the music industry, it's kind of been a norm to just be inaccessible. <laughs> um, and so I know there are a lot of emerging artists who like even message us and be like, thank you so much for, for mm -hmm. getting someone to come and talk about this topic. So we really, really appreciate how quick you are to say yes to this and just following through and being here to talk to us about booking. Um, I know I learned a lot because this is an area of the industry. I was just like, I'll just get somebody when I, when I get there. <laughs> fair, totally fair, yeah to have that so thank you so much for for being on with us and for for being so open um about your experiences and just providing us with with all of this insight um i don't know if there's anything you wanted to leave with everyone before i close out um i don't think so i just want to say thanks and and, and appreciate um you being a fan of blue crane too from so early on so um yeah thanks for everyone who's in here and and hope we can all meet each other proper um, in time before festival you. season next I year. So. <laughs> okay. All the participants as well. I always tell you the webinar is nothing without you. So I appreciate you coming on um, week after week. Next week, we'll be talking about music marketing, just how you get exposure mm -hmm. um, for your music. So you don't want to miss that. The link will be in our bio as usual. Thank you, everyone, and have a good night. Thank you. Have a good night.